Do you have questions about your health? Do you need to find out what's keeping you from feeling your absolute best? If so, your intuition has guided you to the right place. I am Dr. Charlize, and welcome to the Art of Healing podcast community. In this podcast, we explore all topics in health and wellness, from Reiki to functional medicine, energy medicine, chakras, and meditation. Join me every week for fresh new episodes that highlight healers, various healing modalities, and choose this as your opportunity to find what healing works best for you. If you want to learn more about me, simply Google at Dr. Charlize. Enjoy. This podcast episode will be discussing medically related issues. I would like to remind you that although I am a practicing physician, this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. This is not medical, mental, or religious advice. This is not legal or financial advice. And it is your responsibility to pursue medical care as recommended. Please see my website for further information on this disclaimer. Thanks. Hello and welcome back to the Art of Healing Podcast. This is Charlize, as always. And today we are going to cover um, what's going to be the start of a two-series podcast. So this first, we're going to cover anxiety. We're going to cover the basics of anxiety. And <clears throat> if it is okay with the listeners, um, we're going to experience anxiety together and then I promise we will we will unexperience anxiety together. Um, anxiety is an important topic uh, as a physician for me clinically because it is going to be one of the most common diagnoses that I deal with. And then naturally with the worldwide sweeping changes from the pandemic, um, the topic of anxiety is growing in intensity. It's growing in frequency. Um, anytime we experience change in our life in so many ways, we have to anticipate um, that anxiety will be present. Um, and then interestingly enough, as I was um, outlining the topics I wanted to cover this month, um, in one of my medical journals, the ACP Internist, which is the American College of Physicians, I received an article um, reviewing why internists should screen for anxiety. And so literally called Why to Screen for Anxiety. So um, during this podcast, we'll cover what it is, how to identify it, how it's treated. And then, like I said, we're going to actually um, experience it together. 
Um, I want to do that because um, with anxiety and the changes that happen within the mind and body, it's important to understand that um, although medical literature rates it as a, an issue that isn't going to affect everyone, um, I believe that everyone is at risk of developing generalized anxiety. I think it just depends on where you are in life and what's going on in your life, whether or not you will experience it. When we use the term anxiety, um, there's the colloquial or the common use of anxiety, which is basically I'm nervous, which is maybe a brief sensation of um physical sensations accompanied with mental sensations that may be an increase in the speed of the heart, a fluttering in the stomach, uh, maybe some tremors all over a shaking, um, maybe some rapid breathing that is anticipated before an event that may be um, an appropriate response. So it's many times we might feel anxious, like if we're going to speak publicly, um, like if you're going to start a podcast, just kidding. But I mean, it does make you anxious to think that, you know, you'll be talking and people are listening and, um, you know, you don't, you know, don't see their faces. Um, or if you're about to, um, uh, you know, go on a first date or, or so, you know, butterflies in the stomach. So there's some situations in which brief episodes of feeling anxious, not unusual. It's, it's going to actually be an appropriate response. The clinical anxiety that um, we're getting into is going to be uh, pervasive feelings that aren't improving and may not necessarily be um, appropriate. Um, some of the symptoms that can go with this will be um, persistent worry or anxious thoughts, um, sometimes even called ruminating uh, reoccurring thoughts of anxiety, a feeling of restlessness, uh, unable to relax. Um, there can actually be fatigue, trouble with concentration, muscle tension or feeling the muscles um, contracting uncontrollably all over the body. That can also go with um, disrupted sleep, inability to sleep or short sleep, which is waking up frequently. Um, and there can also be physical symptoms that go with this, such as uh, feeling short of breath, having a racing heartbeat, having chest pain, having nausea or vomiting, or both together, or having diarrhea. So the feeling of anxiety, a brief episode of feeling anxious, and in terms of it might be an appropriate response to the situation, but it return, you return to normal isn't going to be the same as the clinical syndrome of generalized anxiety, which I commonly see. There are other forms of anxiety, including social phobias, anxiety, phobias about leaving home, um, agoraphobia, phobias about very specific things. But for this discussion, I'm focusing mostly on generalized anxiety. So for individuals that are suffering from this, um, Clinically, we become concerned if this feeling has been present for um, six months or more. Um, we become concerned if this cluster of symptoms is disrupting the person's life. 
So if these feelings of worry, this muscle tension, um, the stress is um, creating issues with work or in relationships or at home, or if this um, these feelings of anxiety are creating other issues, including um, reliance on chemical substance, increase in drinking, use of drugs. So in the article that I received, and I will make sure to put a link in my show notes, I will caution you that it's, um, it is um, a journal that's for practicing internists, although um, I do think it's um, an interesting read. Um, states that um, roughly 40% of adult women will develop anxiety disorder throughout their life and that 26.4% of men will develop anxiety. And um, in my personal experience as a practicing physician, I think that is um, probably an underestimation, unfortunately, or that estimation was probably correct before the year 2020. And so now um, I do feel those who all is actually suffering from generalized chronic anxiety um, is going to unfortunately be higher, which um, after the pandemic, how could it not be? So the advice in this article is, you know, screening for anxiety. And in clinical medicine, a lot of what we do is going to be questioning, screening, testing for diseases that may not have an obvious uh, presentation. And in this article, which is interesting, and I kind of knew this, but it was a good refresher to me, is that if we're seeing clinic patients, we may often not realize that they're suffering from anxiety, especially if they're presenting with physical complaints. Um, Now, in clinical practice, it's, you know, we do have to look for the serious things. We have to look for the life-threatening things. Um, you know, very commonly, if someone's having chest pain, um, we really can't assume that it's not a heart-related issue that could be life-threatening. So we have to pursue it and make sure that it's not. But unfortunately, the syndrome of generalized anxiety disorder may present as chest pain related to stress and tension. So when we're dealing with anxiety, there is going to be the chronic existence of the anxiety, uh, the daily experience of excessive worry, worrying about lots of different things, worrying about things that may not necessarily be a real thing to worry about. Um, There will be... um, The daily existence of altered breathing, in which, um, for a number of reasons, a person experiencing anxiety is not breathing very effectively. Um, The heart rate will tend to run higher than normal. And um, the muscles, in response to stress hormones the body is making, as well as in response to the cardiovascular system responding to a perceived threat, will remain tense and the muscles will contract. So next, I'm going to go through an explanation I frequently go through with my own patients. Um, For someone who's 
just learning or just been diagnosed with anxiety um, because a really common term I'll hear from my own patients is, well, I'm crazy. It's all in my head. And um, of course, no one is quote unquote crazy or um, I mean, or sometimes we are a little crazy, but um, the experience of anxiety, either brief or generalized anxiety, chronic anxiety, particularly severe, um, really is serious. It isn't just something that the person is making up. Um, And of course, any of us that have experienced this can relate to this. So there's that daily, everyday experience of excessive worry, staying tense, staying stressed, um, that leads to hypervigilance. An anxiety attack, um, which we commonly use, is an event in which the culmination of the body and the mind holding all of these stressful pieces leads to some kind of eruption or some kind of major event that tends to be crippling. So um, the way that I'll explain anxiety attacks, and I'll just go through it with you all, is um, if your your brain has um, the different parts of it, but there's a, a higher functioning part that is your cognition and your planning, and that's in the front, the frontal lobes. And then there's uh, sections of your brains, your brain that um, is responsible for a more instinct-driven survival task that need to happen to keep the body alive, but they don't necessarily require the complex cognitive pattern recognizing part of the human uh, frontal lobes. So those are your your lower brain. And it is actually going to be the lower brain, um, the lobes that aren't in the front that connect um, to what's called the vagus nerve that create the vagus nerve, particularly the brainstem. And this vagus nerve or the great wandering nerve is what's going to be making the brain's major connection to many of the organs in the body as well as the glands. So um, although these systems communicate, the frontal lobes communicate with the lower brain, um, the communication's a little weird. So for instance, if in your, your conscious mind, you've got some worry thoughts and um, they may be things like, I'm worried about paying next month's mortgage. I'm worried about paying next month's mortgage. This is a real worry. This is a real concern. This would be stressful for anyone. However, the lower brain may chemically interpret that worry thought very differently. Um, So your lower brain may not understand that, yes, this is very stressful. The mortgage must be paid, but this isn't an imminent threat to your life. So this isn't the same as you're actively being stalked by a large predator that's going to eat you in the next minute or two. So as the worry thought starts in the front of the brain, um, the lower brain picks this up, tries to interpret it, but this lower brain or lizard brain or the brain that we've evolved over over the um, uh, millennia doesn't understand mortgage, doesn't understand finance, doesn't understand credit score. It does understand threat. So it is picking up the signal that a threat is coming, a threat is coming, a threat is imminent, so the body must be prepared. So being that this lower brain is finely tuned completely for survival, it has no problem picking up that signal 
sending signals to the vagus nerve to prepare the body for a threat. So if, if you recall, the, the original thought was worry of paying a mortgage. The lower brain sees, hears, gets a chemical signal that there's a threat. So get ready. So it begins to prepare the body by making a number of changes. And now depending on how the much the thought circulates and some other factors, the rate that this develops can vary. But um, the lower brain will begin to send signals through the vagus nerve to tell the adrenal glands to get worry for get ready for something stressful to happen. So the adrenal glands will start to make lots of cortisol, which is our main stress hormone, to get the body ready for challenges um, because the human body doesn't understand what the threat is. It doesn't know that the challenge won't be starvation, won't be uh, prolonged migration to a new place, uh, walking for days without any rest. Um, it doesn't know. So it knows to get the body ready and start to store fat, store water, because there's something bad coming. So, and if you go back, remember the original thought was concern over paying a mortgage. Now the body is interpreting the signal as there may be loss of everything. So get ready, store fat, store water. So some individuals may begin to actually notice weight gain. Um, this cortisol that's produced is also going to encourage uh, other changes in the body to encourage the intake of calories. So again, the lower body, the body, the lower brain don't understand and they're getting ready for a big threat. So everything turns towards storing energy, storing calories, getting ready for a threat, getting ready for something really bad to happen. Day after day of doing this, um, I'm sorry, in addition to that, um, is the slower brains communicating and controlling the body, um, this vagus nerve coming from the brainstem, the lower brain, is going to change the pattern of breathing and change the cardiovascular system. So depending on the intensity of the threat that's being perceived, um, the body is preparing for a physical challenge. And the way to do that is the heart rate needs to speed up. The heart needs to pick up speed. So of course, when people are in anxiety, they commonly report, um, you know, fast heart rate, fast heart rate at rest, or just, you know, all out severe palpitations. I send them to the emergency room. The body will also change the breathing. So the breathing will become rapid. Although in a little bit, when we do our experience, um, we'll, we'll talk about how that part we can actually control. But the shallow, rapid breathing will speed up the heart rate. And the way our bodies prepare for a physical threat in which our lower brain thinks we're going to have to run and fight is to get blood flow to the periphery, to the arms and to the legs which are best in defense, and to take away blood flow from the organs, which means the digestive organs and the sex organs will actually start to receive less blood. And also through other, uh, lots of other chemical symptoms, uh, uh, chemical signals, sorry, um, those organs are being shut down so that the um, priority is no longer on digestion. If a threat is coming and we don't know when, 
The lower brain is telling the body something bad is coming. Digesting food is dropping way down on the priority list, um, as well as the reproductive organs. I mean, sexual function, all of that's dropping way, way down. So um, you may see a correlation there with anxiety and um, digestive symptoms because the gut is literally getting a lot less blood because it's being diverted to the arms and the legs in preparation of something to happen. And finally, um, when you have this cycle, and if it's continuous, if it's been daily, and maybe it's even growing because the, the, the frontal lobes, the conscious brain, is perceiving this threat more and more and more, um, you may get to sort of a crisis point. So that might be, in, you know, the brain is communicating to the body, the lower brain senses crisis, and finally the body will take over. Um, the body's intelligent, it has its own mind, but when the threat is perceived to be at a pinnacle, or it's just been so many stress signals coming from the brain, finally the adrenal glands will have enough They'll say, this is it. We've got to save this body. We've got to save us because this threat's coming. And the adrenal glands will take over and will start releasing a large amount of unchecked adrenaline. Um, I'm calling it adrenaline for short, but of course, it's a number of hormones that uh, react really quickly to raise the heart rate, raise the blood pressure, dilate the pupils, make you sweat. And those uh, adrenaline hormones, those are your fight or flight. So they're fast, they kick in fast, they work fast. Of course, when you need fight or flight, so if you're having to run for your life or there really is a threat, that is super important. You know, if you're driving your car and you've got to react really quickly so you don't hit something, you need those fight or flight hormones to boom, kick in. To, you need them right then. So we, we want to have our fight or flight hormones. We want our adrenaline. You don't need an adrenaline surge if you're trying to go to bed at night. You really don't need an adrenaline surge if you're at work about to go to a meeting. But unfortunately, the nature of anxiety is those adrenaline surges will occur unchecked, unregulated, almost at any time. And when that happens and the body reacts that way, that's the uh, root of uh, severe anxiety attacks, which are uncomfortable, they're crippling, they may last for a few minutes to hours, um, can be really quite devastating and very upsetting for anyone that goes through that. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me during this podcast episode. I just want to let you know as a special gift to all my listeners, I am offering a promotion for a limited time. You can save 20% on all of my courses, on my online dispensary, and even 20% working with me individually in a one-hour consult for functional medicine or with a Reiki healing session. You will use the code Alchemy Healing when you make your purchase. Check your show notes to learn more. This special goes until June 3rd, so sign up today. Now let's return to the podcast.
Okay, so to emphasize that actually any of us could be at risk of anxiety, um, I wanted to do two brief exercises. So this first one, we're going to actually get a taste of anxiety and we're going to actually make ourselves anxious. So just a warning or disclaimer, if you have anxiety, if you've been treated for anxiety and you don't want to experience this, experience this because you experience it enough, um, feel free to skip to the next chapter that you'll see marked on your, your, uh, your, your listening um, app. So for the rest of us, if you know someone's anxiety, or maybe you've never felt it or have trouble sort of identifying with that feeling, or if you wonder if you've been having it, um, just in the next few minutes, um, wherever you are, you know, of course, this would best be done if you're seated in a quiet place. We're going to change our body and our breathing so that we can see what it feels like not to feel so good, to feel anxious. Starting now, I'd like you to hold your breath. You can take short, rapid breaths if you can't hold it anymore, but otherwise, I want you to sort of hold your breath just for the next few seconds as I talk. If you're seated, I'd like you to slump. Just go ahead and let your head hang low and let your shoulders pull forward and let your belly kind of pooch out and don't sit well on your bottom. So you're kind of like slouched forward. Now take a short breath. <clears throat> okay. And then again, go ahead and hold your breath for me. So while you're slouched, while you're slumped over, squeeze your face. Squeeze the muscles in your face. Grimace, squint your eyes. Just kind of squeeze the muscles in your face. Take a short breath. <clears throat> hold your breath again. So while you're in this anxiety-provoking state, um, take a short breath now and hold your breath again. Stay slumped. Keep your chest caved in. Keep squeezing your face. And just notice how awful this feels. And then notice the longer you stay in this, take a short breath and hold your breath. You're not breathing very much, and I bet you're noticing your heart starting to pick up speed. Squeeze your face, grimace, squeeze everything, but slump. Don't sit up straight. Slump. Take a short breath. <laughs> so we'll stay in this a few more seconds. It's just awful. And now take a big breath in and blow it out. Relax your face. Sit up straight. So that few seconds of an exercise, I wanted to mimic um, what evolves, what happens, what sets us up for anxiety. So one of the things that sets us up is if you're seated for a long time and you see you're sit, sitting in a way that doesn't allow your chest and your diaphragm to expand appropriately. And if your mental energy is, you know, very busy because maybe you're on Zoom or you're um, doing an Excel spreadsheet or you're, you know, helping your kids with a lesson, 
and you're not breathing. That's why I kept instructing you to hold your breath. Because oftentimes, and I do this, we all do this, when we're in the midst of something and we're really concentrating, really focusing, and we, we stop paying attention to our body, so we slump our shoulders forward, we slump our chest caves in, we start to hold our breath, so we're not exchanging air very well, and the heart begins to speed up, and in the inside, everything starts to change so that your body is perceiving something's really wrong. And that's the basis of what anxiety feels like. So, of course, being that I'm a Reiki master, you know, I don't want to leave you with that. So, while you're still seated, why don't we just kind of undo what would create it, that sort of empathetic exercise. So, if you'll plant your feet firmly wherever you are, um, where you're seated, if you want to rock your hips forward and backward and forward, and you can even um, do a seated cat-cow so that you inhale and push the belly out and the chest opens and you look up. And exhale as you look down, cave the chest in, pull the belly in, curve the spine. And for the next few seconds, if you just want to take big, giant, deep breaths in through your nose... And out through your mouth. So in just the next few seconds, let's just take big breaths in through the nose and observe the breath going out through your mouth or nose, whichever feels better. So that exercise, of course, it's it's uncomfortable, but uh, I, I wanted to include that because it's important to understand that if you're existing that way, if there's things in your life that would force you to be seated and have all of your thoughts in your head and all of your thoughts somewhere else and you don't focus on your breathing, if you live in that long enough, it's definitely a setup for anxiety. So so hopefully that wasn't too stressful. And of course, um, if you did find that too stressful, um, I'll, uh, should, I have plenty of content, um, some meditations you can use, but really if you'll just focus for the rest of this podcast on taking giant deep breaths and blowing them out. And even after the podcast, um, if you will try to refocus your thoughts every few minutes on how you're breathing, if you're breathing, if you've held your breath for, you know, 30 seconds, um, that can help sort of undo that setting for generalized anxiety.
So to conclude this podcast, anxiety is definitely um, an important topic. And I feel that we all need to have awareness and not just of ourselves, but for those that we care for and that we love. Um, As I'm closing out this podcast, I'm going to just remind you to take a deep inhale through your nose and you can sigh it out through your mouth. Um, And for the anxiety part two, we will cover the energy blocks that I interpret whenever we're suffering from chronic anxiety or even from acute anxiety. So I think that'll be an interesting topic. Um, And of course, take another deep inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth. In the show notes, I'm going to put some links, um, some resources for um, any listener who may be suffering, and maybe you're suffering severe if you're needing some help, um, where you can find resources online. And um, I will also post a link for um, uh, some of my content as I'm recording this podcast. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'll post a link if you're wanting some just quick meditation to sort of undo what we just created. So as always, thank you so much for joining me. This this episode, um, it's a little bit longer. The next episode will probably be a little bit longer, but I do want... Um, to spend time on these topics. And um, I think they're important and they, they deserve time because um, to some extent, all of us can have anxiety. So, so much gratitude. Thank you for joining me. See the show notes for important links and resources. And um, in the next episode, I'm going to include some, some freebies I think will be helpful as well. Thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you so much for joining during this episode of the Art of Healing podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please leave a review. Also, you can check your show notes to find out how to get a copy of this and future episodes emailed directly to your inbox, available to listen to anytime. Finally, if you have questions or wish to connect to me, check your show notes to find out how we can get connected and find out how I can be of service to you.